In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Luke chapter 10 reminds us of many different things. And we can only select a few for pondering. And while the story that our Lord tells for the sake of illustrating his point is in and of itself worthy of attention, not only as another example of our Lord brilliantly telling something that has an obvious meaning to the casual observer and even an obvious immediate meaning meaning to the person who's not just a casual observer but a follower, namely about charity and understanding who is a neighbor and what it means to be a neighbor, He's also, at the same time, illustrating something that will only be understood far down the road completely, as he's illustrating an example of the church, of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the sacraments of blood and water, and the, the, uh, the grace that's um, provided humanity. Our Lord is frequently delivering several messages at the same time. And so we can, not only can we reread sacred scripture over and over again and, and find something beautiful and deeper and helpful and instructive, but we're more and more amazed at, at the divine teacher. Notice he's not even addressing the question of who is my neighbor? The expert in the law is trying to justify himself about he has charity towards some people but not towards other people. He has charity towards his neighbor. Our Lord doesn't explain who are the people to whom he has to regard as neighbor he t- our Lord tells a story about what it, what it means to act like a neighbor. What it means to behave like a neighbor. Who, it, it, it's, it's this person. The person who knows the law, who has to be a neighbor. To everyone, of course. So, Brilliant. I should stop there. Why is it that uh, we know what to do and we don't do it? That's the backdrop. Those who know the law, those who can quote the law and don't do it. Why do we do that? Sometimes because it's, it's, it's just difficult. 
It takes effort. We have to try. But also sometimes because we simply don't want to obey. And instead of becoming humble and obedient, we become proud and content. And we even satisfy ourselves with knowing that I know the law. We satisfy ourselves with knowing that we say prayers. We satisfy ourselves with knowing that I go to sacred events. The humble person would not grow content and satisfied with all of that, but, but grateful. But the demand to be obedient is just as clear and just as urgent and is, uh, the response will be just as immediate for the humble person. What is humility then? Here's an illustration of what it's not. Because when we think of humility, we usually think of what I need to be instead of proud, arrogant, and vain. We then think that humility has to do with identifying our flaws and feeling bad about them, remembering our mistakes and our sins and being remorseful. Or we think that humility is a a trick or a game to just to get ourselves to think less of ourselves or to think worse of ourselves and more and better of other people. Humility isn't a trick. Our Lord and Savior was humble and is humble. He had no flaws and no sins to cause remorse or regret. He had no reason to put himself down. He knows that he is God. St. Thomas Aquinas explains to us, humility tempers hope so that we seek not those spiritual things which are beyond us. That should get your attention. Because Jesus is God. How is he humble? How could he, Father, I'm going to put my glasses on so you think I know what I'm talking about. How could he possibly have this tempering of hope so as not to seek those spiritual things that are beyond him? He's God. Yes. And our Lord in the Incarnation reveals to us the Holy Trinity. It's our life, it's our Lord's life and his words that reveal even more clearly the glory of the Trinity. Because he is God the Son. He is not God the Father. He is not God the Holy Spirit. In one God of the three persons, he is the second person. He is obedient to God the Father. And he rejoices in his obedience. He loves the will of the Father. 
There's no envy. He doesn't want to be the father. He wants to obey the father. He is equal to God the Father and equal to God the Son. He doesn't seek to be the Father. His purpose is to reveal to us, not himself, but the Father. He has to reveal some of himself in order to reveal the Father. But he didn't come to establish a religion dedicated to him, exclusive of the other two persons of the Holy Trinity. And everything that he does is for the purpose of bringing us back to God the Father. The one of whom he is begotten. You've heard before comments about the humility of our Lord in the sacred liturgy. Our Lord wants to be inconspicuous. He wants to be obscured. He, he will reveal himself for the sake of drawing you into the mystery of God for the purpose of taking you to God the Father. But his interest is not in having all the attention directed to him. The prayers of the Mass are directed to God the Father almost exclusively. So Christ shows us humility. St. Thomas Aquinas goes on to explain humility is caused by reverence for God. So it's reverence for God. Of course he has reverence for God, reverence for God the Father. We, okay, we'll begin to apply it to ourselves too. We also see that humility is going to result in a willingness to be subject to others. Because of that reverence for God, if I have reverence for God, I am willing to be subject to those who belong to him. Even those who don't deserve to be. Usually our first meditations about our Lord's humility have to do with the incarnation and Our Lady, his being in her womb for nine months, his being a baby boy and helpless. We think of our Lord on the cross and permitting himself to be led there and dragged and whipped. Our Lord's humility has no end of Examples and ways for us to meditate upon it. But it doesn't stop there. The humility of our Lord is evident not, in, not only in history and even in the timelessness of heaven, but also in the present, allowing himself to be subject to us, to our taking good care of him our attending to him at the altar, in the tabernacle, and elsewhere. Our preparing ourselves well so that that into which he comes has been made as fitting as possible. He permits his word to be read by us. He permits us to to read them out loud, to speak them to others. He permits us to use his words on behalf of him for the consolation and the instruction of others.
He allows himself to be subject to us. Out of reverence for God the Father, whom he delights in obeying. So we need to be humble. And we need to understand what humility is. Humility is not some trick to make yourself feel bad. By the way, I should have said at the beginning, those of you who are scrupulous, you actually can listen to this homily. You don't have to ignore it. Humility is not a trick to um, make yourself feel bad. Humility is just simply recognizing your relationship with God and each other. Humility is understanding the truth. Not seeking that which is beyond you. Having reverence for God. Willing to be subject to others. Gratefully, joyfully, graciously, eagerly. That's all. Why is it so hard for us? It's supernatural. I don't think an atheist has any good reason to be humble. It not only does it not make sense, it's counterproductive. Some godless people might be humble as a, as a way of gaining influence, gaining an advantage, winning friends, influencing people. Some purportedly godless people are ex- show examples of humility because they're not as godless as they want to be or they haven't really stopped believing in God even though they claim they have. Nevertheless, humility is, 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 is a weakness and an embarrassment to the world. But what's even more embarrassing to the world are Christians who aren't humble. Because how is it that someone can claim to believe in Christ, to know everything there is to know about Christ in the Gospels, and still demand to be treated the way they deserve to be treated? Demand to be rewarded right now, even though there's going to be heaven. Demand to be respected, even though they... Honor Christ the King. It, it makes no sense whatsoever to be a Christian and not humble. It's, it's embarrassing. It's living as though the death and resurrection of our Lord didn't actually happen. You know it happened, but you're acting as though it didn't happen. It is supernatural. The apostles fought over who's more important before the death and resurrection of Christ, but not after. So, uh, notionally, we need to not only just remind ourselves of what we've learned, but there are attachments we have to things and people and to outcomes that add up to no longer looking forward to heaven, which means no longer having the virtue of hope. 
insisting on being treated now and being subject to nobody who doesn't deserve to be over us, which means losing the virtue of humility. There are lots of ways of learning humility. Just listen to your voice recorded. That's a great lesson in humility. As the youngest of four, I learned humility all the time. Three older brothers sought to it. The most memorable lesson in humility I had, I think, was in the Naval Reserves. I was a brand new commissioned ensign in the chaplain candidate program. I'd finished two years of seminary. I did a few weeks of training at NSA Naples and flew out to the fleet from Capo to Sig to, um, to the USS Theodore Roosevelt and spent uh, over a month there in temporary active duty. Among my favorite activities was going to the Bible studies. There were many a day, and these weren't daily Bible studies, but there were so many Bible studies aboard this ship of 4,000 plus souls that there were more than there was more than one Bible study each day. A lot of them were led by Marines, either from the one Marine fighter squadron or from the, the MARDET, the Marine detachment, providing physical security for the ship. There was one Bible study in particular run by a gunny sergeant, a gunnery, master gunnery sergeant is a Marine who's been enlisted for at least 15 years, maybe 20 uh, they're the engine, the driving force of the Marine Corps. And this gunny would always call me lieutenant. And you have to understand that in the Navy, a brand new officer um, may be advanced in rank as a new officer, but the lowest rank of officer is ensign. He wears a golden single bar on his collar. So he's called a butter bar. The next rank is lieutenant junior grade, Lieutenant J.G., and the rank above that is Lieutenant 03. Not that big of a deal, but it's something. It means someone's uh, served and they should more or less know what they're doing. Marines and soldiers have different names for these. The lowest ranking officers is, is a second lieutenant. And the second rank above that is lieutenant, and the rank above that is captain. So a captain in the Marine Corps is, is something. Um, lieutenant is, um, means less in the Marine Corps than it does in the, in the Navy. And obviously captain as a rank in the Navy is, a, is very significant. So that gives you a little bit of background I'm an ensign, I'm just a butter bar, and he's calling me lieutenant. And I'm, I'm thinking that maybe the gunnery sergeant or the gunny is trying to build me up and um, maybe flatter me or make me feel better instead of calling me ensign. And, but if that's the case, then I can't go along with it. That, that's, you know, that's, that shouldn't be the case, so I have to correct him. And so eventually, and the gunny would like, he would call on me during the Bible study with either um, 
a request to explain something or he wanted my advice or comment or, you know, input. I wouldn't, I wasn't always raising my hand to, to talk at the Bible study. Um, but he was frequently asking me to chime in. So he pointed out to me uh, and asked, hey, Lieutenant, could you comment on this? And I said, sure, but you know, Gunny, I'm not a, not a lieutenant. I'm just an ensign. And he said, oh, don't worry. In the Marine Corps, there's nothing lower than lieutenant. So when I was thinking, maybe he's trying to build me up. No, in his own way, he was trying to remind me that I'm nothing, which was appropriate. The willingness to be subject to others. There's actually an illustration of that right there. As someone with all of two and a half weeks of military experience as a commissioned officer, they were required to take orders from me when appropriate, and they were willing to be subject to me. Even though they had 10, 15, 20 years of experience in the military. That's humility. And being able to joke about it doesn't mean there's a lack of humility. Christians who aren't humble are like soldiers and Marines who are unwilling to take orders from an officer. Whether he has less experience or more, it should be irrelevant. It doesn't, doesn't that sound like a contradiction? Someone in the military who doesn't take orders from an officer? A Christian who doesn't have humility is um, useless. So we all have to turn to the Lord right now and say, Lord, we are all useless to you. But make us useful and teach us humility. And help us not to be smug and content with how much we know and all the words we say and all the sacred events we attend. Help us to emulate and imitate our Lord who sought not to become God the Father, who was happy and grateful to do the will of God the Father, and who had reverence for God the Father, and who had graciousness towards all creatures and all created things since they come from God the Father, and was willing to be subject to them, was willing to be subject to things, such as the hunger of his stomach, and to people, those who would nail his hands to a cross. Lord, we beg you to make us humble so as not to be an embarrassment. And we ask Our Lady to teach us the meaning of the words of the Magnificat, the most beautiful expression of humility, joyfulness and gratitude in being so small as to be useful to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.